A huge victory in the state of Connecticut for school-aged children and their families everywhere. We are having on today co-founder of We the Patriots USA, Brian Festa, to give us a legal update in um, the Milford, Connecticut preschool case. They they swooped in. They helped this preschool stay open when the state said they were going to shut them down due to their children and their families choosing what they wanted to do with their childhood vaccine schedule, some of them opting out of that. And you know what? We the Patriots came alongside and helped these folks out. And if you've been following me on social media over the past few days, this has kind of been a hot topic that I've been talking about. I'm in the state of Florida. Uh, if you want to know how to get exemptions in this state, make sure to uh, check me out on Twitter and Instagram. I helped give some resources there, but not every state has this right right now. You know, it is in contention for the state of Connecticut. We, the Patriots USA, is taking uh, taking action in that state. And not all states, only about 44 um, have religious exemptions, 15, um, uh, I, I think it's about 44. We'll, we'll talk to Brian um, Festa here coming up on We, the Patriots USA. But at first, I do want to let you guys know another exciting announcement. We the Patriots USA is having their national conference June 2nd and June 3rd in Boise. They're going to have some big names there. Look at that. Ryan Cole, Peter McCullough, uh, Abby Johnson, Jenna Ellis, we're going to have some big names there. I am going to be helping to MC the event. Steve Dace is going to be there with a, uh, we're going to do a special showing of his movie Nefarious, which I am super excited about. And if you use the code early Eagle, you will get 10% off tickets through the end of the month of March here. So make sure to act early. And we're going to talk to Brian about that as well, coming up here on Faithful Freedom. Where do we go from here? Because the battle has just begun. As eyes open, we continue to arm ourselves with the truth in all aspects of our lives, asking questions and relentlessly searching for answers, educating ourselves and forging a new path forward. Hear from real people faithfully pursuing freedom. This is Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, presented by We the Patriots USA, a nonprofit 501c3 organization working to preserve and reclaim our God-given inalienable rights. Brian, welcome into the show. Super excited to have you on because this is such a uh, good news that we're going to be sharing with people. Yes, indeed, Taryn. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. And, you know, like I said, this has been swift justice because the entire lawsuit, if you will, with the state of Connecticut that you guys had previously going and still are fighting in the courts when they took away the rights for religious exemption for school aged children a couple of years ago, you guys have been fighting that, wanting to get that constitutional right back for the citizens of the state of Connecticut. And so Take us through how all of this went down. How did this school stay open? And uh, for all of this time since the state of Connecticut took that right away from schools and parents. Well, yeah, you're correct. It was in April of 2021, uh, April 28th of 2021, that the state of Connecticut actually officially repealed the religious exemption to childhood uh, mandatory childhood immunizations, as they call them, 
which are required for school attendance in Connecticut, as they are in every state. But um, most people don't realize this. It's not it's not set by the CDC. It's set by the state. Okay, so the state decides which uh, immunizations are going to be on the required school attendance list and which will not be. So, for instance, a big thing when COVID was added to the schedule was that about a month ago, and I think it was in mm-hmm. early February, uh, when COVID, uh, which unthinkably the COVID shot's been added to the schedule. I don't even, I mean, we can talk about that, but that's just totally abhorrent, totally evil. Um, and I, you've talked about it on your show, actually, with some of your guests already, I believe. Absolutely. Um, that's that's just it's we can talk about that later maybe but that's going to be a nightmare um and you know obviously what we know of the safety data that the real safety data which there is very little of and the adverse effects that have been reported not only in adults but in young adults and in children Mm -hmm. um just really really scary but anyway it, it hasn't been added to the schedule yet yet in Connecticut, just because it was added to the CDC childhood schedule doesn't mean it automatically goes in the Connecticut or any other state schedule. But you can bet, you know, you can bet your life, <laughs> not that you should, but you can bet anything that they're going to add it to the schedule. They're absolutely, I mean, that's the whole reason it was added. It was added primarily so they could get liability protection under mm-hmm. the, you know, 1986 uh, National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. That's the primary reason it was added to the schedule. But also uh, another major factor was they wanted to push this in schools to require all children to get it. Um, And obviously that's, you know, going to be very harmful to children, but it's going to be very beneficial to the pharmaceutical industry because the makers, you know, Pfizer, Moderna, the makers of these shots, we won't call them vaccines because we know they're not, uh, the makers of these shots are going to make untold billions of dollars over the course of years, you know, decades, uh, pushing this, requiring this for school attendance in every school in the United States, almost. Um, if not, and they're already making the lots of money now, requiring these vaccines for for kid, you know, all vaccines for kids in general. They're already making lots of money off of this, and here they are. You know, it's such a small number of people that actually have that children and families that actually have exemptions. In um, in each state, you know, whether it's personal belief, medical or religious belief exemptions that they have, it's such a small number. And people can go back and look at one of my recent episodes with Carl Kanthak, which shows in the state of Connecticut how they made those numbers look of exemption numbers look larger than they actually were when they were trying to repeal and take away this religious exemption um, from from the people of, of the state of Connecticut. So it's crazy that this is happening there. So I want to give, pe- I, I'm asking you these questions because I want to give people the bigger picture of what has been going on here in the state of Connecticut. And it's so important that people understand this because it can happen anywhere in your state. You know, Connecticut had these exemptions available and and took them away. And so we all need to be mindful of that. And um, so that's why I'm, I want to get the timeline for people so they understand. And, and then we'll get to the good news on how you've kept this preschool open. Yeah. So you're right. So I'm sorry, I, I didn't really answer your question yet, but I wanted to give some more background too yes, no, about great. what the larger here. They want COVID in all the schools because COVID, how many boosters do you need for COVID, Taryn? We don't know. One booster, two boosters, 
three boosters, four boosters. It's going to just continue and it's going to be an annual shot. They've already admitted that. They've already said, this is going to be a shot we're going to require every year now. It's going to be like your flu shot. The flu shot in most cases in most states is not mandatory for school attendance, but this one will be. So this is their moneymaker. This is their cash cow to make every year, maybe even twice a year, every student and every school keep getting this shot. Not like the MMR or Tdap or something, all right, when you only need like two doses, all right? But no, I mean, two doses, period, yep. over, the, over the course of your, your school life. But no, imagine every single year or twice a year having to get a COVID shot, how much more money they're going to make off of that. So you have to look at it. I mean, I know there's a lot of talk also about the evil globalist agenda, the depopulation agenda. I agree with that. That's definitely going on. But there's also money to be made for these these pharmaceutical companies because guess what? Um, they do still care about turning a profit, obviously. Um, and they don't care about your health. They don't, they're not in this to save lives. Okay. Um, I'm not saying the people that are in the labs and everybody down on the front lines, I'm not saying they don't truly believe that they're in it to save lives. I'm not judging. I'm just, I'm just saying that the people at the very, very, very top, Mm -hmm. they know what they're doing and it's not good. Okay. So anyway, um, in April of 2021, uh, the, uh, a religious exemption to mandatory childhood immunizations in Connecticut was repealed. Governor Lamont signed it into law on April 28th, 2021. Within two days, Taryn, we filed a federal lawsuit against the state of Connecticut for that repeal. And then uh, shortly after that, a few months later, we actually filed a state lawsuit as well. Both of those are still proceeding through litigation. The federal lawsuit, actually, we just had a hearing. I say, we just had a hearing because it was October 13th of 2022, <laughs> but that's recent in the terms of litigation. That's a recent hearing. October is what now almost six months ago, five months ago. Yeah. Um, but that's recent and it'll take the second circuit probably several more months before they issue a decision. That's just how it is. We just have to live with it. We can't order judges to issue decisions more quickly. Um, none of us have that power as attorneys. Okay. Uh, we'll just have to be patient and wait for the Second Circuit to render their decision. If it's not favorable to us, we will be appealing to the United States Supreme Court. If it is favorable to us, you can guarantee the state of Connecticut will be appealing to the United States Supreme Court. In either instance, I think there's a very good chance that case gets reviewed by the United States Supreme Court. And then I think there's a very good chance that we win a victory. And if we win a victory in that case, it will restore exemptions. You were mentioning trying to remember how many states have Mm -hmm. repealed. So First, it was California, then it was New York in 20, California in 2015, New York in 2019 repealed them, June of 2019, uh, then Connecticut, uh, Maine, excuse me, Maine in 2020 repealed their religious exemption, then Connecticut in 2021 repealed its religious exemption, and many others are threatened, such as in states like Massachusetts, New Jersey, we fought I was among many, many thousands of people that rallied in New Jersey back in 2019 and stopped them from um, repealing the religious exemption down in Trenton. I love all my my Trenton folks, uh, Trenton patriots. We fought very hard there uh, back in 2019. And then West Virginia and Mississippi, believe it or not, two states you wouldn't expect, but they never had ex- religious exemptions or personal belief exemptions. They It's just never been a thing there. So I don't know why. I don't know the whole history, uh, but neither of those states have ever had an exemption. So, yes, that's a total of, I think, six states. So you were correct in saying, I think you said 44. I did, uh, yes, 44. Mm -hmm. So you were correct in stating 44 currently 
But that's subject mm-hmm. to change. And trust me, they have all their lobbyists. The pharmaceutical industry has all of their lobbyists out in full force in each of these state houses, even in so-called conservative states like Florida. Taryn, you know, as well as I do, they are lobbying hard to try to repeal that in Florida. I don't think it's going to happen. Not on Governor DeSantis's watch anyway. But who knows if he you know, makes a run, he becomes president, you get someone else in there. It's threatened. I mean, I hope whoever else you get, if that happens, is just as good as him, if not better. But if you look at the governors around the country, there's really none that are like him. Um, So that would be a long shot, I think, to get someone just as good or better uh, in in Florida. Um, It's such a huge thing that you guys are doing. I know, but it's such a huge thing that you guys are doing this in Connecticut because it sets a it sets a a precedent. And it's something that we talk about on why you take the certain cases that you do here at We the Patriots USA. So it's important that even if you don't live in the state of Connecticut, that you help to support this case. You know, if you want to prayerfully give, you can donate now at We the Patriots USA. And because people were helping with that case, um, then you were also able to come alongside this school in Milford, Connecticut, this preschool, this ch- this Christian preschool, and help them out in a matter of like 24 hours. This is, It was incredible what you guys did. Well, you make a great point. I want to reiterate what you just said. You said because people have donated and supported us in our efforts for the other lawsuits, we were able to have some extra money now to go ahead because people donate to our organization generally too. become a monthly donor. That's a huge help to us. People don't understand even giving $10 a month, $20 a month is so, so huge to us because that gives us predictable income that we can budget for so that we know we have it coming in and we can take on these lawsuits. Um, we love the single donations too. Don't get me wrong. We love when someone donates, you know, a hundred or 500 or a thousand dollars just out of the blue one time. That's wonderful. We love that. But getting that $10 a month, $25, some people even give a hundred dollars a month or more. Um, when we have that predictable stream of income, then we can say, okay, we have this lawsuit. It's going to cost say $50,000, $60,000. We know we have that. We know we have it coming in. We have so much in reserves. Yes. Let's go ahead and file it immediately. And that's why we were able to act so quickly, Taryn, in this case, because this was an emergency situation. The state came in and gave them literally like a week said, if you don't have all of your kids compliant because they were flying under the radar, so to speak. Um, I don't like to say it that way. They weren't doing anything wrong. They were following, they were honoring their religious beliefs, their faiths and the constitution. So they were actually, in my opinion, okay, they were acting within the actual law, which is the constitution of the United States. And of course, God's law. They were following both of those to a T actually under the first amendment, they were exercising their first amendment rights. So they were actually doing zero wrong by not having, and that's my opinion. I know there's other attorneys out there that are going to disagree with it, but I'm allowed to have my opinion. And it is our opinion, it is our position that the state actually is in gross violation of the United States Constitution, particularly the First Amendment and the 14th Amendment, but other clauses as well, um, other amendments, other provisions of the Constitution, uh, which are all detailed in our lawsuits, but especially the First Amendment and the 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause, They are in gross violation of that. So it is our opinion, this religious exemption repeal and what the state was doing with regard to Milford Christian was egregiously illegal and unconstitutional. So although on the one hand, the state is going to say they were breaking the law because they were like hiding and secretly and flying under the radar. They weren't hiding anything. They were following their faith. They have all of their students' records, their parents' records. They weren't 
keeping anything. When the state came in and demanded to know the truth, they told the truth. They said, yes, it's true. These parents are exercising their, uh, they're freely exercising their religious beliefs and they're choosing not to get certain vaccinations. They told the state the truth, which is why the state then said, well, guess what? Either get your kids in all, all the students who are non-compliant, bring them into compliance by March 15th. Within a, like week. a week. So like if you've never, if you're behind on or your vaccine. It was actually vaccine, March 3rd when they came in the 15th. So less than two weeks. But still, if you, if you're missing multiple vaccines, they're asking, which is impossible. They're asking these kids to have upwards of, you know, that could be upwards of 15, 20, even more. Oh, more. 20, yeah. 22. I mean, yeah. now granted for preschool kids, it's not probably going to be that many, but. Well, that's what I was trying to figure out. Yeah. It probably wouldn't be that many. But I mean, but even if it's say four shots, you're going to get that in like a week or two weeks, um, even if it's five or six shots. I mean, listen here. And by the way, the flu shot is required in Connecticut for preschool. Oh, it wow. Is. Um, it's not for K through 12, but it is for preschool, for daycares and preschool. So um, anyway, so Little Eagles Preschool at Milford Christian Church, Milford Christian Academy, um, was told, listen, you are non-compliant. Either get them compliant by March 15th or expel them. If you don't do one of those two things, if you don't either punish them for adhering to their religious beliefs or force them to get vaccinated in uh, in in uh, opposition, in contradiction to their sincerely held religious beliefs, if you don't do one of those two evil things, if you don't violate your faith, Pastor Jim, the pastor at that church, if you don't violate your faith by forcing these students to do this, then we will shut you down by March 15th. And so they reached out to us and to um, Cameron Atkinson, who's an attorney that works closely with us on a lot of these cases. And we got the ball rolling and um, it we were able to file it, like you said, in a matter of, I don't think it was quite 24 hours, but it was a matter of a couple of days. Um, we had this filed and then within 24 hours of filing it, maybe that's where you're thinking 24 hours because yep. within 24 hours of filing it less than 24 hours, actually, after filing it, uh, the state recanted and said, OK, because we filed an emergency motion for a temporary restraining order, preliminary injunction, which is still ongoing. But the temporary restraining order, they said, OK, well, you don't have to do that. We won't close them. We'll leave it open while this is playing out, while this litigation is playing out. We'll, we won't shut down the school now because you filed this lawsuit, essentially. I mean, again, I'm paraphrasing. It wasn't exactly said. They didn't exactly say, well, we're scared because you filed a lawsuit and therefore we aren't going to shut down the school. Obviously, they didn't say that. Okay. But the point is, you can read between the lines. We file a lawsuit. First, they were threatening, we're going to shut you down on March 15th. We file a lawsuit. And suddenly, 24 hours later, they're saying they're not going to shut down the school on March 15th. So, it, it, that if you know you can do math one plus one equals two right um and and that's what happened here so we were very proud of this victory even though you know it's not a judge's decision it's not a final victory it's an early victory we're calling it it's a first step victory it's not the whole lawsuit hasn't been won and as a matter of fact there was a status conference held just today just this afternoon at which you know the state did indicate they would oppose a, any preliminary injunction um that we file which we we are going to move forward with a preliminary injunction um, injunction to stop them from closing the school because their word outside of court, oh yeah, we're not going to close it. You can't just trust that. You can't just, oh yeah, yeah, trust me, we're not going to close it. You, you don't have to go ahead with that preliminary injunction anymore. We're not going to close. You, that's not how it works in the law in real life. As you know, you can't trust people, unfortunately. So 
uh, we are going to move forward with that preliminary injunction. And uh, they said they're going to oppose it. So that's clearly indicating that obviously you still want to shut down the school. And they said they're also going to oppose our motion for an expedited trial schedule because we're going to try. Uh, we, we do want to get this to trial uh, fairly quick, quickly. We, we would like this to try to be in a full blown trial by May. Um, that's ambitious. That's very quick. Uh, anyone who knows anything about lawsuits, I, I know you do, Taryn, because yes. you're one of our, our clients. Um, it's very slow. It, it doesn't happen. <laughs> It, it, it doesn't happen overnight. The wheels of justice move slowly. And there's another old saying that says justice delayed is justice denied. And in, in some cases, that is true. Although I think it depends on who you are, obviously. If you're someone that really needs immediate relief, then yes, that's certainly true. If you're someone that is uh, that they can't afford to wait it out a little bit longer and are doing it for maybe a, maybe the long game, so to speak, that's not necessarily the case. But um, but anyway, for this case, it is though. These these parents don't have anywhere anywhere else to send their children that will honor their religious beliefs. This school, I have to, um, you know, I have to say thank you to this school for standing up and for saying no. We are going to honor these uh, God given rights, these parental rights, and their religious their rights to religious freedom. And so, you know, this is an immediate thing. Just think if you were a parent and you felt strongly against vaccinating your child and you had nowhere else to send them what would you do you have to choose between vaccinating your child against your belief and you know pulling your kid out of school altogether what do you do what do you do it's a horrible situation to to be put in especially you know many of these parents um, have their kids at Milford Christian for a reason, right? They want their child to be in a Christian school. They don't want their child in a public school. That's number one, number, a public preschool or whatever. Number two, um, it, beyond that, uh, you're asking them to make a choice between educating their child and violating their their religious beliefs, their their faith. And anyone who's truly a person of faith, that's you know no choice at all. I mean, you, you have to honor God's law. God's law comes first, always. Uh, that's not like a debate you have with yourself. Should I keep my anyone who's really having a struggle? Should I violate my faith or not to get the shot? Is uh, needs to re-examine their faith life. I'm not judging anyone. I'm not naming anyone by name. Okay, that's you know Jesus uh, does that. All right, it's not for me to judge. However, what I will say is there's some serious issues there, and you should re-examine your faith life if you're struggling that much and choosing between it. Uh, you know keeping your child in school, you know, versus violating your faith, it should always be a no brainer because we're called, really we're called to be soldiers and martyrs for Christ. If you read yeah. the new Testament, you read St. Paul, we are all called to be saints. We are called to be martyrs if necessarily. So even if someone is threatening to kill us, we're supposed to still proclaim the name of Jesus. So certainly if, if we're, if we're called to do that, certainly if you're faced with the choice of keeping your kid in a, in a school or college or whatever it is, or getting a shot, that violates your your deeply held religious beliefs. It's, it should be a no brainer. But um, unfortunately, a lot of people have uh, given in because this world has convinced them that material things um, are more important than their faith. And also this world, a lot of people have lost faith. Unfortunately, I think they've gained it at, with everything that's happened in COVID. A lot of people have come back to God. But do you know that, you know, a lot of people um, lost their faith too, um, because yeah. they don't believe that they'll survive. Like I, if I don't have this job, we won't survive. I won't be able to feed my family. So I just have to get this COVID shot. There's a lot of people that did that. There's actually 
hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who didn't want to get it, but made that decision simply because they didn't have faith that God would provide for them. Have faith, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I have to say. God will always, always, always provide for you, no matter what, okay? Um, he's not going to lead you into darkness. There's Satan does that. That's Satan's job. It's to lead people into temptation, into darkness, and to destruction. God's not going to lead you into destruction. If you're following him, only good things are going to happen. And do you know how many people that have reached out that have said, you know what? I have all these private conversations with people. I mean, a lot of people don't realize this because you know, I'm going on podcasts and we're doing events and we're doing all this other stuff and filing lawsuits. But do you realize how many private conversations I just have with people that need help and need someone to talk to? And sometimes it's just someone to talk to. Not, I'm not talking about you know giving legal advice. I'm talking about just people who who want to just talk um, and explain their situation. Um, and so many of them have said who did uh, remain steadfast in their faith. So many of them have said, do you know I'm in a way better job now than I was? Do you know I'm making like, you know, 50,000 more or 40,000 more than I was making at my last job? And I never would have guessed that, but I remained faithful because God rewards the faithful. He does. And as someone who was went through the fire myself and know so many people who walked with me through that, uh, they too have come out on the other side with promotions, uh, you know, getting... Uh, getting a job at a higher level in a different company and, and things like that. I myself can say, you know, God has led me down, uh, this path that I feel like I'm helping other people. And, um, you know, it's rewarding that I get to get to do this along, along, uh, side you guys here at we, the Patriots USA. So it, it is, if you remain faithful and for those that, that maybe are regretting their decision, grace, grace, you know, grace, his grace is sufficient. So, um, I appreciate you, you know, sharing that with people on the podcast, but you know, we have a couple minutes left. I want to first just say how important what you guys are doing for this preschool is because, um, it's important for those families It's important for that state. And, you know, it could send shockwaves through what you guys are trying to do at the state level to, to restore exemptions. Yeah. So let me just briefly touch on that. Uh, why do we have three lawsuits in Connecticut? Why? Well, we believe Connecticut is really the battleground for religious exemptions. We believe Connecticut gives us the best chance to restore religious exemptions in the entire United States. And why is that? Well, very quickly, I'll just explain. Connecticut did it, repealed the exemptions in, I want to be kind, let me use a kind word, in the stupidest way possible. Okay. <laughs> um, they repealed religious exemptions when there was no proof of an emergency. At least California and New York had these like supposed measles outbreaks, Rockland County, New York, California at Disneyland. Okay. They weren't really like measles outbreaks from people who are using religious exemptions, but that's how they spun it in the media. At least they had something to spin. Nothing like that happened in Connecticut. And yet they did it anyway. We actually were way above herd immunity. The CDC's 95% minimum for herd immunity for MMR, and they were using MMR for measles, you know, mm -hmm. not MMR, for, for the measles virus, okay? 95% and, and we, were, we were above that, way above it. And we actually had one of the highest rates in the United States for herd immunity, um, if you believe what they say about herd immunity. We could get into that in another, another episode, okay? Uh, not with me, with someone like Dr. Lyons Weiler, who you had on before, mm -hmm. can tell you all about that and get into the, he already did before, but and Carl Kanthak can even talk about that. Mm -hmm. So 
we were, and I'm glad you talked about Carl because he was instrumental. He testified. He was one of the few that got randomly selected to testify by lottery in Connecticut when it was being repealed. And of course, they just ignored him. But he laid it all out to the legislature. I was watching it and cheering him on. Um, any, anyway, um, he's brilliant. But what we um, what we had in Connecticut was a situation where there was no emergency. So in order to infringe upon a constitutional right, you can do that. The Supreme Court has said there are instances you can do it, but you have to show there's a compelling government in interest, such as not only, but such as a public health emergency and that you do it by the least restrictive means possible. Well, they didn't do either of those things. They can't prove there was any uh, public health emergency, as I've just stated, not only because there was no measles outbreak or anything like that, we were above herd immunity, but also because, as Carl explains, the McKinney-Vento data, the non-compliant students far outnumbered, meaning people who just didn't submit data, not people who used a religious exemption, just never got vaccinated or never submitted their proof of vaccination. There was many thousands more of those than there were people using the religious exemption. So they couldn't trace any particular health crisis to people utilizing a religious exemption. Even if they could, Taryn, here's the fourth thing I think I'm going to mention. They grandfathered in 8,500 students, grades K through 12. So for potential of 12 years of schooling, they grandfather them in. 8,500 students, if there's that much of a public health emergency, why would you grandfather them in? So there's just so much evidence. They did this so foolishly. Like it's a, it's, it's as close to a slam dunk case um, as you get, in my opinion, uh, in, in the law, just how foolish they were and how they did it because they were arrogant. People like Matt Ritter, who was the House Speaker of the House, House Majority Leader, and people like Martin Looney, who's a Senate uh, uh, pro temp in, in Connecticut, were so arrogant, people like Bob Duff, I mean, go on, he's a senator in Connecticut, and go on and on and on, and Governor Lamont are so arrogant, they think they can't be touched. They think they've got everybody in their pocket. So this is why, but they don't, because there is still justice. And the courts, I do believe in the courts. I do believe in good judges. And, and people want to come out and say, oh, they're corrupt. They're all in bed with them too. No, no, because I've seen these decisions. I've seen judges that are still holding fast to the Constitution, upholding the rule of law. And there are many of those judges in this United States. And I would say, um, and, and in Connecticut in particular, and I have a lot of faith in the judicial system. If I didn't, I would turn in my law license. I've always said that. If The day that I say that there's, it's all, the day, if, if you ever showed me evidence that it was all rigged, then I'd just turn in my license and that's it. I'm not practicing law anymore at that point. But this is why we do this. So anyway, for all of those reasons, and they didn't do it by the least restrictive means, because even if they could have proven a compelling government interest, guess what? They didn't do it by least restrictive means. They could have just said all the non-compliant people who aren't using exemptions, you all uh, turn in your, your evidence, your proof of, of immunization, and then that will, that will do way more to bring our our vaccination rates up in schools than eliminating the religious exemption would have, uh, you know, th there's so many other things they could have done, but here I am laying out, you know, my, my oral argument here, my discourse <laughs> in this case. Um, I, I know we're short on time, but I just want to say this is so, this is so important mm -hmm. because this gets to the United States Supreme court, this Milford case, this Milford case, even if our other case somehow weren't to be successful, this Milford case, I think has an even better chance because now you have a religious institution, which the government has, the, the United States Supreme Court has time and time and time again said that the government cannot infringe on a religious institution like this in its practice of faith and its free exercise of religion. Can I mean, we have, I mean, the Supreme Court case law just this past session, June of last year, two major decisions in favor of religious liberty. One was 
the uh, Kennedy versus the Bremerton School District in Washington State. And the other one was the Maine case, the state of Maine. So the Kennedy one was the high school football coach who was praying on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. And you allow secular celebration, but you're not going to allow this religious, you know, you can't have rules that punish religious institutions. You can't make or religious uh, practice, excuse me, but it was really more about free speech even in that case. And we have free speech claims in this case as well. So it was, it was a free speech case actually more than it was religion. And then the main case, because Maine has school choice, uh, they were saying, well, you can fund, they were going to give funding for schools uh, that were secular private schools, but not religious private schools. Wow. And the Supreme Court said, you can't do that. You can't no. like, you can't, again, discriminate against religious beliefs, religious practice, you know, religious institutions. So again, this, they, the state isn't going to be able to prove here. I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, there is no evidence that this school poses any kind of public health threat. So you're burdening them without any compelling interest. They have a right to have their religious beliefs respected. I do firmly believe that this makes the Supreme Court, which I think there's a a better chance than, than many cases of making it this case will be victorious. And what this would do, again, even if our other cases weren't to be successful, this would mean that any religious school that wants to honor the beliefs of their families and not force vaccinate them would be allowed to continue to do that. So even in states like California, they'd be able to do it now. New York, Maine, they'd be able to do it now. So not just Connecticut. So this is why it's so important for us to have these cases in Connecticut, because again, they just did this so foolishly. That's why the cases, in my opinion, in California and New York haven't succeeded, because they could at least feign that there's a public health interest. You can at least make like kind of a fake argument and and it looks believable uh, in the media. It looks believable on paper, but it, it's not because we know the real data behind it and, and, and we have a lot of evidence. But in Connecticut, they didn't even have that. So this is why I think Connecticut is the, is the best case, uh, is the best place to be bringing this case. Well, thank you for explaining that. And I think it's so helpful to all those that have supported We the Patriots and those that are thinking about supporting We the Patriots USA on on why you choose the cases that you do and how you think that they'll have the most impact and, um, you know, have the most ripple effect, just not in that little area, but across the United States as well. So it's really important that people understand that you guys are doing so much right now. Brian is a busy man. They're planning this national conference that I'll show you uh, the flyer. If you're watching one more time, June 2nd and 3rd in Boise with, um, you know, so many special guests. And you see here on this flyer where we've got Kristen Megan and Tammy Clark listed on this that are doing some remarkable work right now in East Palestine in Ohio. And you guys have a case against the EPA uh, there, which is fantastic. You you all are doing such great work. And so I'm just so proud to be um, working alongside you guys. And um, so just keep, if you want to keep on top of these cases and these legal updates, make sure to head to wethepatriotsusa.org to sign up for the newsletter that, that Brian pens and um, to get in touch with everyone there. So thank you, Brian, for all of the, the work you guys are doing.